1: It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. It ain't the left
2: side. Welcome, Dolphins fans, the the ones of you who are left after an embarrassing loss to the Tennessee Titans that we are going to talk about today. And it's not going to be a fun episode, it's not going to be sunshine and rainbows. Paul and I are not even going to try to put a positive spin on any of this. So if you have a problem with that, it's probably best that you just don't listen to this show. But if you want to talk about real football and what's really going on with the Miami Dolphins, that's what we're here for. And we're here because we are fans. We're here... Because we do care. You can follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on iTunes, and on YouTube. Paul, before we get into the debacle that was the Miami Dolphins Tennessee Titans game, Dolphins signed cornerback Ben Benwikere. He was cut from the Carolina Panthers last week, really after a 300-yard performance on him, or mostly on him, by Julio Jones. Do you care about the signing, one way or another?
3: No, it's just another tool for Vance Johnson to misuse at this point. So, you know,
2: whatever. Yeah, and I'm starting this off like this, Paul, because I actually do like this signing, uh, and this is probably the only good news we're going to get to today. Ben with in the first three games of the season – actually was the third ranked cornerback by Pro Football Focus in terms of quarterback rating thrown into his coverage. 37.5% quarterback rating. And He's a young guy, six foot tall, 200 pounds. Dolphins are just throwing crap against the wall and seeing what sticks this year anyway. I think that this is a good signing, so hopefully he can get in there and make a little bit of an impact. The Dolphins also should have Chris Culliver coming back in, in week six. Don't know if it'll matter, and they just handed him $5 million but we'll see what happens Uh, to start off Paul. I mean, let's just put this in context. We were hoping that the offensive line in the Titans game was going to come together. Uh, Brandon Albert, potentially back at left tackle, Laramie Tunzel, left guard, Mike Pouncey returning at center. Maybe Anthony Steen plays in somewhere. Juwan James got a chewing uh, at the right tackle spot. And what happens? Brandon Albert doesn't play. Laramie Tunzel slips in the shower and injures his ankle and the dolphins offensive line other than that is a complete train wreck throughout the game uh one of many things then we get into the game first defensive drive of the game byron maxwell has a strip sack on delaney walker then kicks the ball back to delaney walker who's on the ground wondering what happened uh the second drive of the defensive drive of the game DeMarco Murray has a one-yard run that should have been um, a third, nine, deep in Dolphins or deep in Titans territory, and Maxwell has a face-mask penalty. Not blaming it all on Byron Maxwell. There are a lot of blames to be handed out, but, man, oh, man, if, if this wasn't an omen for the game, I don't know what is. Paul, uh, your thoughts heading through this debacle.
3: Well, I, I, I will say last week Vance Joseph had the miraculous idea to – supposedly be using byron maxwell as a press man corner which byron maxwell outside of playing press man has failed phenomenally and actually does pretty well when he's press man and so by vance joseph's standards it's kind of like getting cam wake a lot of uh reps he put byron maxwell in press man about three or four times throughout the game and then the rest of the time had him 10 to 15 yards off the damn ball so you know, there are some things that Byron Maxwell muffled through, but I actually thought when he, on those plays where he was up in press, man, he did a decent job in coverage. So I can understand why Vance just pulled him out of that, because it seems like he wants nothing on the defensive side of the ball to be success, successful unless the players outperform the scheme at this point.
2: We've basically substituted Kevin Coyle with Kevin Coyle.
3: Um, you
2: know i I think there are a lot of problems in terms of how the personnel is aligned the linebackers especially against the run are terrible the defensive backs we knew this was a problem going into the year but it's been even worse than we thought it has been 19 quarters since the miami dolphins have had an interception and quarterbacks combined against the dolphins this year the five quarterbacks that they faced russell wilson garoppolo Excuse me, six. Russell Wilson, Garoppolo, Jacoby Brissett, Cody Kessler, Andy Dalton, Marcus So Not a great list of quarterbacks they faced uh, have a combined quarterback rating of 101 against the Dolphins. It's pathetic. And When you look at it, they can't throw the ball. They can't run the ball. uh, They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. So Congratulations, Mike Tannenbaum, for assembling a pitiful roster. I mean, and I bring it back to that, Paul. I mean, Mike Tannenbaum, I, I've met him one time he, when he addressed us at Web Weekend. He said the word quality over quantity uh, two or three times in 15 minutes. When I asked Jeff Ireland about his GM philosophy, he said, I built through the draft. Uh, what general manager do you know out there who's saying, you know, we need to build their free agency. We need to sign high-priced veterans. We need to trade draft picks away. Because this is what Tannenbaum's been doing. And it gets worse and worse every year. You look at the the players on the roster who are – badly overpaid or injury prone uh nobody is living up to their to their contract the only player paul that i would the only players on this starting 22 i'd say are even living up to their contractor jarvis landry even though he didn't have a great game laramie Tunzel, rashad jones and matt Darr. Uh, other than that i think the whole uh, rest of the, the roster needs to be wiped out at
3: least right now i, I don't know if i'd say wiped out i mean i, mean, I just the offensive side of the ball, they they were behind the eight ball in this game to begin with, and you already outlined the situation with the offensive line. I didn't expect a lot on offense in this game. Yeah. I didn't expect the offensive line to have a number of plays where they didn't even touch an interior defensive line on a pass play. You know, it, it, I didn't expect a lot on that side of the ball. I really, I, I made the mistake last week when I heard Vance Joseph come out and admit to, like, oh, you know what? I've been misusing Byron Maxwell to thinking like, okay, this guy's gone back now. He's looked at the skill sets of these players and realized where his scheme is broken um, and and really was going to take some steps to correct it. Instead, it it was like he flirted with the idea. But I don't don't use the, the reference of we replaced Kevin Coyle with Kevin Coyle. To be honest, I, I think we re- replaced Kevin Coyle with the special ed version of Kevin Coyle. Almost like when you make a copy of a copy and it's not quite as clear as the original. I, I, I'm starting to think that that's what we've got here in Vance Joseph because there's so much about his scheme that is goddamn broken and it, it's unreal. It just it's the talent that we have and the skills that they have are so completely masked by the scheme that he's running and insisting on running you've got a defensive line in the wide nine with a lot of pass rushing specialists great bring your secondary up where you've got your press man corners put them in the face of the wide receivers slow them down give your defensive line time to get to the quarterback on running plays you're in the wide nine a scheme that basically relies upon your two defensive tackles to get double teamed your defensive ends to keep contained and then your linebackers to clean up everything and make the plays. Jelani Jenkins, your starting linebacker, is out. Koamisi, your starting linebacker, is out. That leaves Kiko Alonso and Donald Butler, who was, I don't know, washing car windshields two weeks ago, and a mess of Spencer Paysinger singer that nobody's going to mistake for a starter, even though he's played admirably in that position a little bit. And now, Hewitt, who's still growing into the NFL as an undrafted free agent last year. I mean, it, and that's what you're relying on for your run defense at this point is those three. It's a superhuman effort. Not only that, having those corners 15 yards off the ball, essentially, if you blitz, any quarterback worth of salt is going to see the blitz coming and call for hot routes, which, let's face it, one of the most popular hot routes out there is, you know, five-yard slant, quick slant, something along those lines. And now your corners are so damn far off the ball, you can't defend against that at all. And they look stupid trying to run up and haul ass up at full speed to catch up to these guys, where if they can't get fully under control when they catch up to them after they've already caught it, that guy's gone. Um, It's such a broken, stupid-ass scheme. I don't understand why we're running this. It, it, how do you not say that it basically minimizes the talent?
2: There, there is so much wrong with the scheme. I don't even know where to start. I, I think that, it, I mean, we can even go on and on about that. I mean, uh, a few things that I, I've picked up on. Now, first of all, let's, let's, pick the obvious cameron wake uh the snap count to the last three weeks is is in itself a disgrace the linebackers that you touched on yeah you have your linebackers out and what you do with such frequency it just what kevin close do you bring the both linebackers to the ho- you you bring them so you move your cornerbacks way off the football then you have your linebackers blitzing frequently what do you think happens from that point you have Keiko Alonso in the middle of the field by himself. And Marcus Mariota, uh, what you should know about this guy is this. You have to spy him. You also cannot give him these easy throws over the middle. You have to make him throw those deep out cuts, throw the ball into tight spaces down on the field against the his receiving core that frankly isn't very good. What did they do? They brought the house, they moved the cornerbacks off the football. Everything would be rushing upfield, so Mariota would tuck the ball down and run it. Uh he had seven carries for sixty yards in this game. Um it, everything about it was pathetic and when you a poor game plan this week your your strategy should have been just what you said paul you stock up against the run you bring the quarterbacks and you move them up and you force them to beat you throwing the football down the field have they never seen the titans play a game uh you look last week was there any surprise who you had to stop aj green eight catches for 120 plus yards 17 minutes into the game and it's one thing, you know what, if if A.J. Green catches a, a long pass, which he did over Xavier Howard in that game, that was a great catch by him. Hey, that's A.J. Green. But to blow a coverage on A.J. Green, to absolutely forget to cover him, no, it's pathetic. And I, I don't really know if this level of stupidity can be corrected.
3: I think it can. Um, Case basically said he's going to bench anybody that doesn't seem to want to do all the right things and, and et cetera. So you know what? James Joseph, there's public enemy number one right now. He's he's doing all the wrong things. You can at least put, regardless of whether there's a gap in town or whatever, you can at least put these guys in position to be successful. And we're basically putting everybody on defense in position to fail. That just makes the the play of Rashad Jones, um, who's outperforming the scheme, because he is, It puts it on another level, even higher for me, because the guy has been phenomenal. It puts all the good things that I have seen out of the defensive line or or out of Keith Alonso at times, it puts him in an even greater light. Hell, any play that any of our corners make at this point, I'm wowed by because they're put in such a position to fail that hats off to them. Holy crap, that's a phenomenal play for them to actually be able to make a play with the position that they're being stuffed into. Advanced Joseph has the nerve to look confused on the sideline about what are we doing? You're the dickhead calling all this stuff. Let's face it.
2: Dickhead is right. And looking at – so let's take a look at the rest of the season, Paul. Dolphins are 1-4. Um, needless to say, not a whole heck of a lot of hope from the Miami Dolphins fan base for the rest of the season. What do you want to see happen uh, going forward? Are you at the point right now where you're looking just for any positives throughout the rest of the year and taking a look at the draft?
3: I'm watching a team for progress. I'm willing to give Gase some time and growing pains. I really am, because I do think he's got a chance to be a very good coach for this team. I think you can probably figure out at this point, I'm, I'm over Vance Joseph, and you know they can crumple his contract into a ball and throw in a corner if they want to at this point, and, and tell him to get the hell out, and I'll go, oh, okay. When, even if they don't tell us who the defensive coordinator is going to be for next week. But Darren Rizzi really in charge of the defense. At least he'll fire people up and try to get them to do something. And yank Terrence Fede's ass off the field for a few games for being a dumb shit that causes a turning point of the game like the Bengals with what he did. Uh, instead of like, oh, Terrence yeah, you know, get back out there, dude. Go out there with Chris Jones while Mario Williams and Cam Waker on the sideline again. Yeah, I, I don't guy. understand the rotation.
2: I don't understand the rotation. And, and if this seems harsh... Remember the Dolphins lost by two scores to a team that is 4 and 25 in their last 29 games in Miami and, and keep in mind this wasn't a oh my gosh these one in a million things happened the Dolphins were convincingly beaten this game they the, the time- Titans had 41 carries for over 200 yards in this contest, which now brings their run defense to an even more, more pitiful state. The offense goes three and out repeatedly to begin the game, so and then finally when the defense starts to, to let down a little bit, problems all over the field. So it, it's it's bad. But he, here's my thing: is get because when, when it comes to Adam Gase, I am not ready to make to draw an opinion yet. I'm still the opinion and that this is a smart guy and he hasn't really had his opportunity yet to do what he wants with his football team. And that starts with Mike Tannenbaum and Chris Greer. You need to get these two guys out of here at the end of the year and you need to bring it, let Adam Gase bring in his own general manager. It has been a dumpster fire of an off season so far, unless things switch around. For an example, on defense, you, you take a look at how poor this defense is. You've got look, You've got Cameron Wake, mario williams and dominican sue chris Culliver, byron maxwell rashad jones cohen misi and and isa abdul kudis eight players making uh what over four million a year and some of these guys cameron wake and mario williams making eight nine ten million a year um and you've got one of the worst defenses uh in the league offensively Yeah, Ryan Tannehill doesn't get all the blame, but yeah, he is making a lot of money. And he signed that contract, too. You ignored free agency at running back or fell short. You came a million dollars short on Lamar Miller and C.J. Anderson, who are great backs. Guess what? You can't run the football anymore. The list goes on and on and on, Paul. Uh, uh, Keeping Jordan Cameron is another example of that. Uh, Just a train wreck from Mike Tannenbaum. And, And here's what happens, and this is where it funnels up to Steve Ross. Steve Ross, Mike Tannenbaum, is his buddy. He is his business partner. He is his friend. Last year, or two years ago, Mike Cannonbaum said, you know, as your consultant, I think the person who needs to be making decisions is uh, me. And Steve Ross said, <laughs> okay. okay. And then, <laughs> two, here we are two years later, and now they've had an embarrassment of an off season. Do you think he's going to fire him at the end
3: of the year, or do you think he's going to give him a shorter leash, ball? A longer leash. Um, I think Mike Tannenbaum is going to do what Mike Tannenbaum is wonderful at doing and and find a scapegoat. Chris Greer may get a little bit of a shorter leash and get a few things yanked on. Vance Joseph, man, being one of the scapegoats already, you can't tell me Mike Tannenbaum's not sitting up in that office right now. Outlining his case for just about any individual on the team that keeps the blame off of him, whether it's intentional or not it, he could actually be deluding himself that the problem is anybody but him at this point. So you just don't know. It's it, it, And I think Steve Ross is pretty blind to it. I think the wild card here, maybe the savior for this franchise even, could end up being there's one other guy that seems to really have Steve Ross's ear. That, that's some guy that Dolphins fans may know and Dan Marino, which I don't want Dan Marino dealing with front office stuff. Do not get me wrong. But there may come a point in time where he does know know and understand talent on the field to enough of an extent, or to basically look at at, at Ross and go, you know, I don't know what the hell Tanner Bomb's doing here. Uh, this is a mess. So maybe the, the simple act it, put it his mouth.
2: the simple act, Paul, of Dan Marino being general manager, he He's can dope. surround himself with a number. He can surround himself with a number cruncher. If if that's if that's the case, I, I, you know I, I don't know what else to do on that. I mean I, I think that Adam Gase needs to pick his own general manager. That, that's for sure, and it should happen every day. Either either you hire the GM and he hires the coach, or you hire the coach and he ha- or hires the GM. In eight effing years, Steve Ross hasn't figured this out, so he continues to have these awkward uh, arrangements between GM and head coach. I mean, and you know they disagreed on football players because. Believe me, if 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 Adam Gase was all in on Byron Maxwell and he was all in on Issa Abdul Qadir, he wouldn't have benched Maxwell after three games. He would not have uh, had him had uh, Abdul Qadir splitting time with Michael Thomas after four games. He would have given him more of a leash and would have had more understanding.
3: Yeah, it, well, it, it's it's so tough to make a judgment on the individuals on that defense. Anyhow, this is this is where the whole broken-ass defensive scheme comes into play. I mean, do we know that Michael Thomas is a great guy, mediocre player? Yes. I mean, if anybody says otherwise, I'm sorry to break your heart here, but the guy is a mediocre player. Kudas does have the ability to be something special if utilized correctly. And and there's a number of other players that, that are really in that boat. But if we're not using utilizing players correctly, then this turns into the dumpster fire that it could, that's a situation where at the end of the year, there's going to be some talented defensive players that, that look back and go, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be in That hurts me in the pocket. That hurts my love of playing football. It hurts me in any number of ways. I'm going to go somewhere where they're going to utilize and love me correctly, similar to Lamar Miller. And they need to fix so Sean that. Sean Smith and
2: Vontae Davis and a lot of players, yeah. Exactly. And then
3: Dolphins fans are going to be like, but he sucked when he was here. It's like, well, you didn't use him correctly. I mean, hell, I mean, there are some that leave and refine their motivation that it was their own fault. But there are plenty that leave. Where really it's on the staff. And that's a shameful thing because you look at teams like the Patriots that are feeling like they're eternally successful, even though I remember when they were absolutely dumpster fire for years. They're a team that can take broken toys even. They can take a broken-ass toy and scheme their offense and defense in a way that gives them the best chance for success and the least chance for- It's a- That's what they make their their bread and butter up there. And that's something Miami needs to get to. And on defense, we're going the opposite way. We're doing it in a hurry. They they need to fix it. I'm sorry I keep harping that
2: yeah. point. No, no, no. And, and he, here's here's my problem, Paul, with the roster and the, the philosophy of the personnel in general. On this team you, have, you take a look at the amount of reclamation projects and overpaid names, and you'll see a consistent pattern of building through free agency instead of stockpiling draft picks and creating a young, hungry, winning culture. I mean, Mike, what Mike Tannenbaum and the Miami Dolphins did this past offseason is the exact opposite of what every other successful team does. They don't re-sign their own free agents. They don't build through the draft. They get splashy names. They overplay veteran players. So what, what, what incentive is there for an Arian Foster or a Jordan Cameron, guys who are set for life, to continue to push forward when you need them the most And to me that that to me is the root of the problem there are names on this roster not a competitive winning culture Paul unless you have anything to uh add to that let's uh let's jump into the grades very I mean it's, it, it, frankly as quickly as possible at the quarterback spot Ryan Tannehill obviously getting trashed throughout the media trashed by myself uh, how would you grade his performance
3: I didn't love how he did, but at the same time, I'm also going to take into account that on most plays, I think he had, you know, 1.2 seconds to to hopefully chuck the ball. And on top of that, his two interceptions, I do give him some credit for, but I actually give most of the credit on those to Devontae Parker's lazy-ass effort on both plays. Not to mention him getting drilled on the second one as he threw it. So I'm going to give him a a, a C, C C-minus. It's, I... Will continue to say throughout the rest of this year. Any of those fans chanting for Matt Moore? <laughs> you think we had it bad in that game with with Tannehill in this week? It would be an F with Matt Moore in there. The guy's just not good anymore, and he was okay to begin with. So yeah, it, it's Tannehill's the way to go. We're stuck whether you like him or not. whether No matter how you view it, we're stuck with him the rest of the year as the quarterback and the best chance to win. Regardless
2: of what you think of. yeah, uh, I'm going to go with a D plus for Tannehill. Um, offensive line was terrible. Obviously, it was it got worse and worse as the game went on. Uh, I I look at the times when Tannehill was well protected, especially in the first couple third downs of the game. wasn't good on those plays either. And and I, I again I, I I go back to this: the guy never moves his feet. And my understanding is he has complete play calling rain. He can audible into anything he wants. He never makes things better. And so I, I agree that you can't just point the finger at one guy, but it's not good enough. And every, so many times over the last year, year, year and a half, you just see this offense, including Tannehill, just sleepwalk out of the tunnel. And we're halfway through the second quarter. We don't have a first down yet. To me, not good enough. Pull the running back position. Jay looked like he was getting something started early on uh the game and looked like he could be that real um chain mover
3: yeah surprisingly um, and especially given the the struggles of the offensive line in this game uh, i was pretty impressed with the ajayi and he definitely saw the lion's share they got away from the run because they got pretty far behind and I actually liked what I saw from Ajaye. I'll give
2: him a B. I'm going to go with a C plus a running back. Jai, I thought he did well in the beginning. And then in the second half, the Titans did something the Dolphins wouldn't or couldn't do and make adjustments. Started stocking up on Jai, And then from that point, he was pretty much a non-factor in the second half. Uh, Kenyon Drake... And dropped a, a key pass but is showing some of that speed hopefully he he's one of the guys i'm looking at throughout the rest of the year and saying i i really want him as a piece heading into 2017 uh if, if this year's hopeless so i'm, I'm going to go ahead with a with a c plus the the wide receiver position i'll or excuse me the receiver position and tight ends um tight ends not much of a factor in this game Deion sims had a had a catch Dominique Jones got in, had two short catches, but other than that, they didn't help out or weren't on the field in run blocking or, or in pass protection. Yeah, Devontae Parker catches a long pass, two long passes, one of them for 50-plus yards, but dude, an embarrassing play that that led to a Ryan Tannehill interception where he has the ball just ripped out of his hand. 100% on Devontae Parker there. Jarvis Landry, I, I, I got to say, I mean, I love Jarvis Landry. I, I really do. But I am not of the opinion that this is an elite football player, and I, I think that he tends to have a domino effect on the rest of the offense and that Tana, there could be a connection between Lan- waiting for Landry to get open and sitting in the pocket as long as he does. I, I'm not giving this guy $12, 13 $14, 15000000 million dollars a year, and if Dolphins fans don't want to deal with that, sorry, Kenny Stills, Catches a 74-yard touchdown pass against the Bengals in the first quarter. Doesn't have a catch for the remaining seven, for, for the, the next seven quarters after that. Makes no sense to me either. So I'm going to go ahead and give the, the receiver, the receiving and tight end units, overall a C-minus, Paul.
3: You're being more generous than I am, and, and I agree with a lot of the points you just made. Uh, I'll, I'll be quick here. You already pointed out that the fact that that first interception was on Devontae Parker. Clearly. I know the announcers and a lot of fans were up in arms. It was all in Tannehill. Guess what? 90% of the time, most quarterbacks don't make a perfect pass. He put it well within the guy's catch radius, and he threw a lazy half-ass one hand back to try to grab it. And then once once the defender got a hold of it while he was batting it around, then he kind of sort of put some effort in. And, you know, this is a guy that's already been pegged for some laziness and lack of effort, whether it's on or off the field, anyhow, by the coaching staff. And then I look at the second interception. Tannehill gets drilled as he throws. The ball's downfield in, in his direction. And you had to jump to grab it. But Jesus Christ, that's what you're getting the big contracts for. I mean, put some effort in to get that ball. Fight for the ball. Get it at its highest point. One thing I will say with Landry is he will outperform his talent level in most scenarios because... He goes after it, and Devontae Parker needs to find a little more of that because this is not the first game of the season that we've seen minimalistic effort cost the team uh, out of him. So for me, it's a D, and, yeah, I have no qualms about giving him a D. I think I might even be generous here.
2: Yeah, you said it all. I mean, it's it's sad that, I mean, the receiving unit, wide receiver and tight end, these are the positions that, again, another faux pas of a general manager, building through the wide receiver position. Uh, Jarvis Landry, you know, is a second-round pick. Obviously, I'm not going to complain about the value there, uh, especially given on a rookie contract. Devontae Parker, incredibly talented. You spent a mid-first-round pick on. Kenny Stills, you traded uh, a third-round pick for. Uh, Le'onte Carew, you traded a three, four, and a sixth next year for doesn't even get on the field um it, it, this is the unit that was expected to be the bread and butter of this offense another reason you don't do that paul uh offensive line i think we're going from bad to worse here
3: yeah it's it's hard to grade these guys because so many people were out or out of position um juan james i think once the the entirety of the line gets healthy I. I I think he definitely is going to be sitting on the bench, and, and maybe Billy Turner replaces him, even though he had a rough game over at left tackle this week. Maybe Steen goes to right guard, and what's his face there? Kicks out to right tackle. There needs to be some corrections. They let people just run free and untouched while not blocking somebody else. I mean, one of the old adages with the offensive line is, if you're not sure who to hit, you better hit somebody. and, and mm-hmm. There were plays where you see Juwan James just standing there, like, "Oh, was I supposed to hit somebody? Meanwhile, a guy runs inside of him and drills Daniel. Yeah, you see these guys playing Olay or not even anybody hitting an interior defensive lineman when they all stay home on that pass play. No one, like, oh, was he there? Did I miss the 300 pound man in front of me? (laughs) My God, I didn't see him. I mean, it's a joke. I I have to give these guys an F, but it's such a patchwork offensive line this week that I almost feel bad doing it even though they were a big factor in costing the game.
2: Don't feel bad. I'm giving them an F too. And to be clear, we're not, we're as our listeners know. I mean, we're, we're judging them based on what we saw based on the position on the football field. And yeah, it, it was bad. And you look at Derek Morgan. I looked at Derek Morgan's statue before the game. He had no sacks. Uh, you know, he gets six or seven every year usually. And I looked at that and I thought, I bet you, I bet you that uh, Derek Morgan gets two sacks in this game. He did. (laughs) He got two sacks in this game. Uh, You you look at his first one, you look at his first one, literally, off the snap. Jermon Bush run at right guard and Jawan James at right tackle, split apart like the Red Sea, block nobody, and Derek Morgan comes in untouched and, and just destroys Ryan Tannehill. I mean... I the lack of communication on every single Dolphins offensive line over the, since Tony Sperano left, and it wasn't even great then either, is pathetic. It's more pathetic by the day. What I don't understand is you got Billy Turner at left tackle, who's really a career guard, and you got Jermont Bushrod playing right guard, who is a career left tackle. Good luck figuring that one out, but. Man, oh, man, I, I can't wait to get Laramie Tunzel and, and Anthony Steen back in this lineup because I really thought they were the, the center and the left guard combination of the future, even making potentially Mike Pouncey expendable in the future. Pouncey had a fine game. There was nothing wrong with him, but he's the only one. Terrible F as well. Moving to the defensive side of the ball, Paul, I'll take this one first. You know, uh, I thought this was the defensive line's worst game of the year. I mean, no sacks, and I thought the upfield pass rushing scheme of the miami dolphins the wide nine getting upfield getting into the backfield may have worked against a more of a pocket passer but by the time cameron wake gets around the corner starts running that arc then Mariota's already up the field i thought and don to consume, may have had his worst game as a dolphin i mean it was bad up the middle and pass rush saw him loafing on a few plays too uh really bad i'm going to give them a D.
3: I'm going to give him a C here. There were a number of plays where I saw them getting penetration and push, but I've been on enough of a soapbox about the fact that essentially against a team that, that thrives on the run and on um, quick passes in a lot of scenarios, with our secondary and shoddy position, as well as our linebackers, that there really wasn't much these guys could do. And I will say you got to stay motivated out there, blah, 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 blah. But it's going to be pretty hard to do when you know you're not in a position to be successful. I actually really enjoyed watching Andre Branch just frustrate the living hell out of Taylor wand to the point where he had, what, I think, three penalties in a row and really could have been called for four. But again, it's they're being put in position to fail yeah
2: they they sure are in also the defensive line they're not they're not going to be the ones making the tackles all the time against the run and they were spread out against a team that that ran a lot and ran it well um yeah overall defensive line I think still is by far the best part of the defense but I don't get it and I'll tell you what one thing that angered me even more Cameron wake gets held again way too long he needs to get in the face of these referees and say and say look can you not see them tugging on my jersey two or three plays in a row I, I you know it's not the reason we lost the game but man oh man it, it, it's been a constant problem it, it's starting to anger me even more now, now that we're paying this guy at this age this much money uh the linebacker Corp paul uh jelani jenkins and coen did not play in this contest subbed out for donald butler and uh, neville hewitt
3: yeah uh ran for 240 yards i think it was against the team and the linebacking core are the only ones set up to be in position to make tackles whether or not we're playing with backups at this point or not. And D minus <laughs> good luck to those guys because they have no chance of being successful in this scheme right now, especially being the backups. What
2: I don't understand is and Paul, what's your grade on that? I missed that part. B minus.
3: B minus.
2: Um, wow, wow. Um I'm gonna D give them dog. a big fat F. Oh, D isn't dog. Okay. Sorry, sorry. I was gonna say, yeah, I'm gonna no, give. them uh, no, I, I not was out. gonna say, you, you, you <laughs> got to be out of your mind if you're giving him B. Hey, I'm fine. I, I would have moved on, but no, I'm is, yeah, much. I'm gonna give him. <laughs> 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 we well, should be based on yesterday. Um, it, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give them an F. I mean, it's. It, it, I thought. Yeah, I feel bad for Kiko Alonso in one part. You know, he is what he is. Um, he's a covers linebacker. He can get steamrolled easily. And then in addition to that, you just leave him out on an island all the time where he so he can't really ma- match up with anyone. Neville Hewitt, Spencer Pacing, or Donald Butler, why you would have these guys blitzing as frequently as they do makes no sense to me at all. If that's the case, you should have got a, bl- a blitzing – Linebacker that can get in there quickly because all you're doing is leaving the middle of the field wide open and teams know it and teams look out for it. Mariota, even though he's a young, inexperienced quarterback, knows that too. So uh, pathetic display. Over 10, 210 yards rushing by the Titans on offense. Linebackers wiped out in just every play was a big reason. Koa and Jelani Jenkins. I'd say we. I can't wait for them to get healthy, but this year end and the last six games of last year, that didn't happen. Paul, the the defensive
3: the last, backs. I know. To, to be fair, the last three years that hasn't really happened. The two of them have rarely been on the field at the same time with all these damn injuries they get. So let's just, just face it here on that on that aspect of those guys. But anyway, go ahead. well said,
2: uh, defensive backs. Um, I know we talked about the scheme, et cetera. So looking at at the defensive back spot, you know, I I'll, I'll go first. I'm I'm going to give them. I'm going to give him a C plus in this game. Uh, very simply because uh, I, I blame the linebackers and, D and and defensive line a lot more, the defensive scheme a lot more. Byron Maxwell, yeah, terrible in the first two two drives of the game, but uh, you know nothing that really stood out for the for the good, that's for sure, but not not the unit that I blame in this game either. And I'll tell you what, Rashad Jones, again, another fantastic football game. If everybody could play like him, we'd be okay. I'll I'll give, kindly give them a C plus.
3: Yeah, I'm actually fairly close to with you on this one, which feels a little ludicrous, to this, but uh, I'm actually gonna go right with a C plus as well. I actually thought Tony Lippett probably played the best corner I've seen him play and really showed some signs that given some time, given some seasoning, he, he might turn into a, a pretty decent corner. And, and I like what I saw Bobby McCain did again. As you said, Rashad Jones lights out still, despite all these steam loads. And Byron Maxwell, I actually thought, played an okay game, given the scenario he was stuffed into.
2: Yeah, yeah. I For the rest of the year, What I'm hoping is that we know exactly what Bobby McCain, Tony Lippitt, Xavier Howard, these younger cornerbacks, what they are and what they aren't. The problem with that, I feel, is Byron. You've got Byron Maxwell in the picture. You have got Chris Culliver in the picture on a one-year deal. We may not get those opportunities as much. You know, I, I, I think these are young guys who've got some bite to them, and not, not saying they're going to be great cornerbacks, but I, I want to see them get some experience. And I, I think that they do at least play with a little bit of heart. Something I, I have a hard time seeing in the rest of this team. Special teams, Paul. Uh, you're Saving the best for last. Jakeem Grant, 74-yard punt return, really one of the plays of the week here in the NFL. Matt Dar, other than a late-hit penalty, continued to bomb the ball away. What's your grade for special teams?
3: I honestly kind of like Matt Dar's late hit. It wasn't that bad, and I wasn't surprised they called it on him. He did not give me a little shove right That'd be at the the That's the boundary. There were a couple more egregious ones not that far before that where the refs didn't throw a flag, so... You know what, when your putter gets an unnecessary roughness, you kind of have to shrug and go, yeah, okay, whatever. But no, he boomed the hell out of the ball. And God, uh, Jakeem Grant looks so special on that return. Um, not just outrunning people, running through people, running around people. Uh, making the right cuts when the sideline, when somebody took a proper angle on him, just still continue to make something happen out of the play. And then Jarvis Landry looked excellent when he got back there with punting kicks too. I I really liked what I saw in, in all areas of special teams, and we can't forget to mention Andrew Franks who continued to kick off well and continued to exist on extra points and the occasional field goal. But you know, I, I give these guys a bravo to them. Bravo to Darren Rizzi. He didn't have to pull out his demon face again this week.
2: Yeah, and at least when a special teams player messes up, they hear about it on the sideline. Uh, that's been a problem over the last few years. But, you know, I'm I'm not questioning Adam Gase's motivational tactics yet. But, yeah, Matt Darr, the special teams coverage, the kicker, Andrew Franks, who again never gets an opportunity to nail a clutch kick, um, uh, that's it. So I'm going to give this unit a, an A minus. And so let's move on to as we wrap it up to our studs and duds. Paul, who is um, who's the one guy that really
3: stood out for you in this game Chakeem for the good Grant. reasons. Jaqueem Grant for for all the good reasons. I wish he had more opportunity to excel and show us what what he's got. Uh, especially given some of the lackluster efforts we saw in the receiving core in this game. And the fact that a little speed could have really helped turn the tide of this offense a little bit. Now, it's he had an explosive play that could have served as a turning point and a motivating factor for the team. They didn't use it, but At least he had that. So for me, he's a straight-up stud for this game, especially after hurting his ankle and continuing to force his way out there when you could see he was in pain.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with Matt Darr for the reasons I just said. Not not much reason to elaborate on that. Uh, You know, great, great punter to me if he doesn't make the Pro Bowl. He might be our only one. Then there's something wrong with that. Paul, how about your dud for the game? I know you've got a lot of material to choose from here.
1: Big V,
3: Vance Joseph five games in the year, you still don't freaking get it. You, you make a show as if you get it in the week leading up, and then, you, then you, you get out there and you just do the same old crap. I'm willing to give you time to to grow and have those growing pains. But if you don't learn from them and keep making the, mistake, the same mistakes and then admitting that you made the mistake, and just making it freaking worse. Uh, the fact that you're still stuffing Terrence today out there after that garbage in Cincinnati last week, and being a mediocre player to begin with, the fact that Chris Jones is out there and no one can understand your defensive line rotation. Let's face it, it's going to just chase the talented players out of town and that that goes for other positions as well. Good luck to you, dude. You you better fix it or... or Somebody better make a change here real
2: soon. I'm going to go with and Sue as my dud. I I thought, again, this was his worst game as a Dalton. Uh, I didn't see much pressure up the middle, even though he was getting double teamed a lot. And I saw him getting frustrated and a few plays loafing out there. And he's the guy that needs to step up and constantly set the tone. He has done that. I think he will continue to do that. If we leave the price tag out of the equation, I think he is a great player. But, can't see what we saw last game out of him. It's not enough. So, Paul, I am done with this garbage bag of a game. Uh, let's move on to Pittsburgh. Hopefully a giant miracle happens. If not, we're going to have great draft coverage here, peppered in throughout the year. So if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't
1: the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left, left side for the right, right side, side And it must be the fifth line. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in To see what Brian, Cat and Paul about to do again We rep our team, you can't change, stop or ruin it All we need is to figure what to do to win Fans Radio, live and direct Win or lose, we're showing up for every contest No puppet talk, it's all raw and unfiltered Voice of the when the season looks peculiar, rocking apple orange over here, then you familiar every week. They come and do our speakers to fulfill the Crap, We have to hear about our team and all the latest news. Vets, the rookies trying to make the team pay dues. Current players and alumni interviews, city to city, state to state. Follow the moves, call the hotline. Dolphins talk, set to go. Best sports team and show all across the globe. Yes. the left side. On the right side